Welcome back to another episode of Faith on the Go podcast. This episode is from September 3rd, 2023, the 14th Sunday after Pentecost. You might be surprised to hear a different voice this week reading our gospel and preaching the sermon. We had a guest, Pastor Aaron Coots. We hope you enjoy. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy. Our first reading is from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 15. God's delight, I'm sorry, Jeremiah's delight in the word of the Lord is contradicted by the heaviness of God's hand upon him and God's seeming unfaithfulness. God's tough love to Jeremiah says that if he repents, he will be allowed to continue in his strenuous journey. Jeremiah is strengthened by the simple words, I am with you. The reading. O Lord, you know. Remember me and visit me and bring down retribution for me on my persecutors. In your forbearance, do not take me away. Know that on your account, I suffer insult. Your words were found and I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I am called by your name. O Lord of hosts. I did not sit in the company of merrymakers, nor did I rejoice. Under the weight of your hand, I sat alone, for you had filled me with indignation. Why is my pain unceasing, my wound incurable, refusing to be healed? Truly, you are to me like a deceitful brook, like waters that fail. Therefore, thus says the Lord, if you turn back, I will take you back, and you shall stand before me. If you utter what is precious and not what is worthless, you shall serve as my mouth. It is they who will turn to you, not you who will turn to them. And I will make you to this people a fortified wall of bronze. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail over you, for I am with you to save you and deliver you says the Lord. I will deliver you out of the hand of the wicked and redeem you from the grasp of the ruthless. This is the word of the Lord. Our second reading is from the book of Romans chapter 12. Paul presents benchmarks for faithful relationships with Christians and non-Christians. Love is the unflagging standard of our behavior. When we encounter evil, we do not resort to its tactics, but seek to overcome it with good. While Christians cannot control the actions and attitudes of others, we seek to live at peace with all peoples. The reading. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal, be ardent in spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in suffering, persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints, extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another, do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not, be, do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, 
but take thought to what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. No, if your enemies are doing this, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you will heap burning coals on their heads. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 16th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. From that time on, after Peter confessed that Jesus was the Messiah, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this must never happen to you. But Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, adversary. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Then Jesus told his disciples, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life? For the Son of Man is to come with his angels in the glory of the Father, and then he will repay everyone for what has been done. Truly, I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. Grace, peace, and mercy is yours in the triune God. Amen. I have always found Peter to be a very comforting person in the accounts of Jesus' life. Last week, Simon Peter got it exactly right, being the first one to call Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. And this week, immediately after last week's story, Simon Peter gets it so wrong that Jesus calls him an adversary. That's what Satan means. It's not really a proper name the way John Milton's Paradise Lost and popular imagination make it seem. Today, Simon Peter is just so human. Peter and the rest of the disciples are always good reminders that the people in the Bible are humans, as fallible and full of foibles and flaws as the rest of us. Our ancestors in the faith weren't practically perfect in every way, like Mary Poppins, or shining examples of morality that we should follow to the letter. Remember, Jacob had four wives, after all. They were humans, like us, doing their best in the circumstances they found themselves to take care of themselves and their loved ones. That is the beauty of the stories we encounter in Scripture. No matter how often we mess up, 
we see God refusing to give up or to let us go. God stays with us, forgives us, and points us on the right path time and time again. And Peter messes up in a pretty big way today. Once Jesus starts talking with the disciples about what it means that he is the Messiah, Peter lets the fear and the worry take over. Because the Messiah was supposed to be a conqueror, a warrior king who would crush the Roman armies and push them back past the borders of the nation of Israel. So Jesus talking about suffering and dying and coming back to life was not part of the plan that everyone had in mind. This can be hard for us to really feel and to understand because we live on this side of the resurrection. We already know what happens. But Peter and the rest of the disciples don't. Peter had been envisioning a straight line up to success and power and authority. Simon Peter seems to think that if he sticks with Jesus, as Jesus does everything Peter thinks the Messiah is supposed to do, then Peter might get a part of that power and authority too. But God's plans aren't always our plans. How many times have each of us been excited about some new beginning, seeing how wonderful and great our lives will be now that this thing has happened, but we don't realize exactly what it means to get that job, buy that house, meet that person. Compared to God, we have a small, limited view. We can only see what's right in front of us and what has already happened. But God can see what will be, too. So when Peter protests that there's no way that Jesus can suffer and die, it's because he can't see the whole picture. He doesn't know the whole story. We know now that, of course, this is how God imagined bringing freedom and salvation to the whole world. But it's impossible to know the story when you're in the middle of it. How often are we, Peter, How often do we let our fear and our worry cloud our judgment, our imagination of what might be, of how God may be at work in us and in the world? When do we let our vision of what should be close the door on what might be? We live in anxious times, in the world and in the church, and it's often not clear how God is at work in all of this. Wildfires and hurricanes and other natural disasters, political upheaval and war. The last few years, I've often been reminded of the ancient curse. May you live in interesting times. The times are definitely interesting. In the midst of all of this, of personal and global crises, in the middle of our fear and our worry and our uncertainty, Jesus reminds Peter and us, to set our mind on divine things, not on human things. Jesus reminds us today that the question is not, what do I want? What should I do? The question instead is, what is God's will? What is God already doing? I spent a semester in seminary studying Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a German pastor and theologian. He led a fascinating life and was a pastor who spoke out strongly against Nazis and the rise of fascism in Germany in the 20s and 30s. 
During the last years of his life, he was working on a book creatively titled Ethics, where he explored what it means and looks like to be a Christian in the world. And the center of this book wasn't what it means to be a good person, or the Ten Commandments, or the Beatitudes. The center of Bonhoeffer's ethics was, what is God's will? Because even though it is constant throughout time, figuring out what it is that God wants for us and from us in this time and in this place is often difficult. And if you know to look for it in his writing, you can see that Bonhoeffer is writing in part to figure out if it's okay to participate in a plot to assassinate Hitler. Because murder is wrong, but what was happening in the Third Reich can't be what God wants for the world. Now, none of us will probably find ourselves in that particular moral quandary. But asking, what is God's will, instead of what will benefit me the most, is what it means to deny ourselves and take up our crosses. Denying ourselves doesn't mean that we have to give away all of our possessions or move to be a missionary in a far-flung part of the world. But it does mean that we don't always see ourselves as the main character of the story, that we recognize that this is God's beloved world, and God is at work to redeem all of it. And God often doesn't see things the way we do. After all, on the cross, Jesus stood with all of the hurting, the oppressed, and the marginalized, the poor, the people that the world sees as disposable and inconsequential. On the cross, God turned the tree of death into the tree of life, from a place of torture and isolation to a place of community and healing. This is what we remember when we share the Lord's Supper. This is the work that God is still doing in the world today. And this is the work that God calls all of us to in different ways, with the different gifts and skills and resources each of us have. So what is God's will for you today? Where might the Holy Spirit be whispering for you to go? What hurt in the world is within your power to heal? Where do our minds need to be changed so we set our mind on divine things, not on human things? May our eyes and ears be open to hear and to see the word of God out in the world to be open to see the ways God is already at work and the ways God is calling for us to come and join in. Amen.